This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Joined by Mary Lucas from Transitions Life Care. Here's your host, Jason Kong. Welcome to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk traffic. Good afternoon to you. Jason Kong here with Sam Peterson from Transitions Life Care. Sam, we're playing hurt today. Mary's uh, on the mend a little bit. I know. We're wishing her well. Uh, no voice doesn't work out so well for radio. Yeah, a little hard to uh, <laughs> to do a radio show if you don't have much of a voice. But our best wishes to Mary. We hope that she uh, is very quickly uh, feeling great again. So, uh, And we hope that she's back next week. In the meantime, you're stuck with Sam and I today, uh, but we're excited because we've got a, a nice lineup today and to kick things off we're going to have a discussion on who pays when it comes to medicare medicaid tricare and i could go on and on there's lots of different questions mm-hmm. that we have for our guest who is andy barrett a field representative with american republic insurance services hey andy thank you so much for joining us today good morning and thank you for having me this morning Thanks again for coming on today, Andy. I know this is kind of a hot topic with a lot of folks. So we know, like Jason said, there's a lot of confusion around how Medicare works with your other insurances and who pays your bills first. So what are the different payers for our conversation that we'll be discussing today? Well, basically, of course, we want to cover Medicare, but there's four areas of care to be concerned with. First of all, um, Medicare covers the acute side. Then you have skilled care. You have um, intermediate care and custodial care. Uh, the Usually Medicare pays out first in most cases and then your carrier, the insurance company that you have either uh, your supplement with or Medicare Advantage plan with. And then last of all, after all that's settled, then you pay. Absolutely. So I know you mentioned that normally Medicare is the primary and then the secondary payer is usually whatever other supplemental insurance you have. But what happens if you have Medicaid and Medicare? Who pays first in that scenario? Well, with Medicare, Medicaid, uh, Medicare pays first, Medicaid pays uh, second. And for the most part, there's not much left to pay, although sometimes there could be a little bit uh, out of the pocket of the individual, depending on, of course, if it's medically necessary. Definitely makes sense. So what about a situation where you or maybe your spouse, you're in a group health plan based on their employment? How does that work in coordination with other players like Medicaid, Medicare? Well, same thing as a, a Medicare a supplement. Uh, the Medicare would pay first, then followed by your uh, Medicare uh, provider, whether that's group or individual. So we mentioned TRICARE a little bit at the top of the episode. So can you talk to us, too, about how TRICARE and Medicare work together, or do they not work well together on coverage? Uh, a little backstory on me in a previous life I used to work in a physical therapy clinic and I would do a lot of checking backgrounds on insurances and we would always used to joke that people with Medicare and TRICARE kind of had the Cadillac it covered almost everything <laughs> for for PT um, so is that kind of the situation for how TRICARE and Medicare play together or do they not work well together for some coverages well they work well together for those who qualify for it but of course TRICARE is just like any other uh, supplement in many respects that is uh, reserved for military uh, personnel. 
there's still other areas that are not covered by TRICARE, that's especially when it's not medically necessary. So the first thing to do is to make sure that it's coded for coverage. Second thing to do is uh, to make sure that it's covered in advance, of course, before um, having any uh, surgery done or at least know who's going to end up paying for it. And all these plans, mind you, uh, except for uh, TRICARE, but you can go to the TRICARE site, all of your plans can be found on Medicare.gov. If you put in a little bit of information, such as your Social Security number and what kind of uh, Medicare you have and whether or not you're getting special help, you can look up those plans and see exactly what it covers and what it doesn't cover. Hmm, That's good to know. So uh, let's talk a little bit back on Medicare. Does Medicare automatically know if you have other coverages or do you need to alert them of a claim? No, Medicare uh, basically is alerted whenever you sign up. Now, keep in mind, of course, uh, when you turn 65, as long as you've had uh, 10 years of work, you don't have to, um, I mean, you don't have to pay anything for it. If you haven't worked 10 years of your life, there may be some increment of uh, premium that you have to pay. You do have to sign up for Part B, which is uh, required if you are going to get uh, the coverage. But now that is uh, about 203 this year, and then you would have to sign up for Part D. If you don't sign up for B and D, you would end up having to pay a penalty, and that can be substantial. Mm. So, so did that cover all of your questions? Yeah, definitely. So if your additional yeah. coverage changes, do you also need to report this to Medicare? Um, what do you mean by a additional coverage or Medicare a supplement or a yeah. Medicare Advantage plan? Yeah, if you have a supplement um, or an Advantage plan. Mm-hmm. Whenever you sign up, it, uh, Medicare is automatically known, uh, notified because of the fact that you, in most cases, have to use your Medicare number to sign up. I know in my kind of day-to-day work world, when I'm out meeting with families and talking with them, especially if they're looking into a long-term care setting, they have there's a lot of confusion when they're looking at potentially applying for Medicaid in that process. Can you maybe talk to us a little bit about what some of the qualifications are for that and what that process looks like? Certainly, certainly be glad to. Uh, with Medicaid, uh, first of all, you can get special help if you have uh, income less than 1601. Um, a month, um, but also you can qualify for Medicaid if you make less than 1073 a month in total income, not just Social Security, but all your income and everything, and then assets below $2,000. That's for a single individual. Before a couple, it would be um, 1412 in income mm-hmm. and 3000 in uh, assets. Now, if you uncommon to like what Joe basically leads you to believe, not everybody qualifies based on those situations. So uh, he would have you believe, and I'm not trying to criticize Joe, he does a fine job on the radio but uh, and TV. You basically, um, you're entitled to things as long as you qualify. And so on those, the Medicaid qualifications, which I read off there, are what qualifies you to receive the Medicaid, Medicaid and then if you qualify, you could get assistance from anywhere from intermediate, which means periodic assistance with your activities of daily living in home, mm-hmm. to a nursing home, to uh, 
full-time uh, care in home. It all depends on um, basically what you have and what you qualify for. Yeah, we actually just recently kind of went through this with my grandmother uh, after, she, you know, we've talked on the show before. She had a recent hospital stay back in the fall and we were looking at trying to get her care back in the home and you know do some private duty caregiving and we just didn't even realize all the things she she qualified for um so that was a helpful Mm -hmm. process for us to kind of look into that and get her some additional help Mm -hmm. yeah andy uh if folks want to find more information about american republic insurance services is there a, a website that folks can check out what's the best way to find more information well, I can give my number out, which is my cell number to assist. That's 919-523-4910. Or uh, American Republic Services, you could search through Google as uh, the most common search engine. Or um, I've got a site that I use a lot of times that has a lot of information on it that's LTC minus AB2.info, which originally was created to reference long term care minus parts A and B two dot info. So that way I have uh, tutorials and videos to explain how Medicare works, and you can also contact me there. Perfect, perfect. And again, that phone number for Andy, if you missed it, 919 523 one zero. He is Andy Barrett, field representative with American Republic Insurance Services. Andy, thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having me again, and you have a good day. You too as well. Stick around. We've got more right after this. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF with your hosts, Mary Lucas and Jason Kong. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk traffic. Don't forget, if you ever want to find more about Transitions Life Care and view information about all the resources that they have available, just go to transitionslifecare.org. Transitionslifecare.org. Jason Kong here with Sam Peterson, and we are now going to shift our focus on durable medical equipment, and we're going to be talking a lot about stories of successes and uh, even some failures in buying durable medical equipment. And uh, joining us once again, a return guest on the program, we're happy to have him back. It's Dave Tuckler. He is the owner of Mobility City. Dave, thanks so much for coming back on the show. Hey, great to be here. Thanks for having me. We're so glad to have you back again, Dave, and talk about some of these topics. So we know that buying medical equipment is quite the investment, and it really should involve some research. But I can imagine in the time of crisis, that isn't really always an option. Uh, so what are some of the most common failures you see when people are out there buying DME? Yeah, and I just uh, a little preface there. Mm-hmm. You are exactly right. A lot of times this comes upon people suddenly. Um, and unexpectedly, and it's an area they don't have familiarity with, and they're dealing with time, uh, emotional, and Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes budgetary stress. So 
trying to navigate through all that can be difficult. And, you know, we advocate, I think I mentioned last time, our, our philosophy of why try and buy, uh, why meaning make sure you know exactly kind of what your prioritized needs are. Try if you need to, if you can, get in and try the equipment out and then buy, you know, from someone reputable. So, you know, when there's a failure in each, you know, in any one of those, um, that can lead to disruption. So I can give you one example, a real yeah. quick one, uh, and then we can kind of uh, go from there. Um, a lot of times people go online that, you know, we're talking about uh, sometimes the adult children of someone who's actually going to be using the product. Mm -hmm. And their first inclination is to go do an Internet search. And a lot of times they see shiny objects, something that seems to fit the bill. Maybe it's QVC, maybe it's somewhere else. And when the, the thing is ordered and when it shows up, it's just not what they thought it was, mm -hmm. either poor quality or it is, you know, they had four foot six models on QVC. <laughs> so it's a lot smaller than I thought it was going to be. And I'm cramped and I can't use it. Um, and, uh, you know, and there are other issues that that follow on down the line from some of these online purchases, and that can be availability of parts or even the company staying in business. Definitely. I've, I'm definitely guilty of uh, some bad online shopping purchases of my own. <laughs> um, can you talk a little bit more about some of more issues on online shopping that could cause? I know it's so cheap and convenient for folks, but would you really recommend going in person and trying items out? Oh, for sure. I will give you actually a success. It happened recently in terms of that. And this is a woman who needed a mobility device to get around. Her knees were not great. Uh, so she could walk, but she couldn't walk very far. And we had a little email relationship going uh, where she said, I need this. And I was trying to find options for her. And then she came in recently. So she started out thinking she needed a power wheelchair. That's the kind of rolling thing with a mm -hmm. joystick. And the reason was she needed a piece of equipment that she could put in her car, take to places and use it, you know, at the destination. Um, she came in here with her husband. They realized these things weigh 45 to 55 pounds, mm. which sounds light online and it's really heavy if you're trying to lift it into a car trunk yeah. and even heavier if you're trying to get it out of a car trunk. So that quickly went by the boards. We then talked a little bit more. I said, you know, there are different ways to skin a cat here. You know, there are mm -hmm. scooters that come apart. And she said, I didn't know that. So we showed her how that works. And she says, well, I need the stability of a four-wheel scooter. Let's go there. And so she tried everything out with four wheels. And then I said, you know, they have fenders up there because they got four wheels. Um, you may want to try a three-wheel scooter because a lot of people find out that it's more comfortable for mm -hmm. their legs and their feet, particularly if they have lipedema or something like that. She got in a three-wheel scooter, and that was the aha moment for her. And so she started... Uh, with a power wheelchair that folded, she ended up buying a three-wheel scooter with an extended battery life. So very different from what she thought, uh, but it ended up being the right solution for her. Absolutely. So kind of in that same vein of online shopping, I see a lot of Facebook marketplace items, and I'm also part of a lot of different caregiver groups where people might be posting that they're looking to sell or donate a hospital bed, wheelchair, you know, et cetera. Would you recommend going that route at all? What are some of the pros and cons of that? Yeah, that can be an outstanding way. You know, and we buy uh, and repurpose some used things that we find. So um, this is a little bit of caveat emptor, um, mm -hmm. but it can be, a, you know, a terrific thing. A lot of times, you know, the loved one has passed, uh, there's equipment sitting there, 
people want to, you know, get it to, uh, you know, someplace where it can be used. And if they can just make a little bit of money, they're happy. So, you know, there's a lot, there's a thriving marketplace out there for secondary equipment. Mm -hmm. And it often, you know, has a huge decline in price, you know, once it's been used. Yeah. A couple, so that, that is a, you know, great thing to do. I would say a couple watch outs, and this is particularly for motorized equipment, is factoring the cost of batteries. Mm. And batteries, quite often, the thing has been sitting until someone got around to selling it. Uh, replacing batteries can, you know, it's not killer, but it can be 200 to $600, depending on what piece of equipment. And a lot of times, people buy something cheap and then realize they've got to have that expense. Mm, uh, the, the other thing to consider is the age of the unit. Like all of us, as we age, we deteriorate and parts fall off. And uh, the same is true for power equipment. So even if the thing is running, if it's 10 years old or more, uh, you want to be careful because not only is it likely something else is going to fail, uh, but equipment manufacturers really only hold parts for 10 years. So after that, it's a little bit of a crapshoot as to whether you can even find the parts to replace. Hmm. So are standard equipment options kind of always the best route to go, or should you consider further personalization or customizations? Have you ever seen an instance where, you know, I'll just take that bed, sight unseen, uh, doesn't work out for patients? Um, so you just need to make sure it's going to work um, for the situation, if I understand the, the question mm -hmm. uh, correctly. Um, a lot of times there are features that are, paid for but never used um, there are sometimes things that you don't anticipate so I've got a threshold that I need to get this you know unit over and it's not really made for that um, I'm not sure if I'm answering the question that you asked yeah no you've got that that's perfect so okay. what are some key things that folks should be looking for considering to be successful when they're purchasing DME Yes, yeah, so I definitely think, you know, what is it that are the prior, you know, priorities? Because people come in and they have a long list. It's got to do this. It's got to do that. You know, I need it to wash the dishes for me, take care of my kids, you know, <laughs> and get, you know, 15 miles a gallon, whatever it is. Lots of stuff. And when it comes down to it, they're going to have trade-offs. So I'll take the three-wheel versus four-wheel. You know, three-wheel has better turning. Uh, it's a little less expensive. Uh, for some people, it's more comfortable, you know, for their legs. Um, mm -hmm. But... Uh, for some people, they need the stability and they really need to think, you know, how they're going to use it. Are they going to be schlepping it in a car and out of a car? Mm -hmm. um, how is that going to impact uh, their lives? So really thinking ahead as to what's absolutely uh, critical. Good things That's to really think important. about. Absolutely. So you were told that your loved one needs a bed, a chair, a walker, etc. Where in the world do you even start? And what does reimbursement look like? So reimbursement, again, you know, I'm not an expert at that. I know if we um, are given a prescription, which is the first step towards Medicare or private insurer coverage, you know, we, you know, can waive the sales tax. But more importantly, you know, typical coverage will cover um, a, um, a basic unit. So, for example, in a hospital bed, it will cover a basic, we call it a brown bed. They come in two pieces. Uh, semi-electric, meaning you get a motorized head, motorized legs, but it does not go up or down motorized. There's a little crank for that. That is kind of the standard for coverage. Um, similarly, for a lift recliner, some people need those. Um, you know, the coverage extends to the motor because in the eyes of Medicare, the motor is what uh, 
differentiates a lift recliner from your basic lazy boy. Um, you know, and you, there are a lot of really, really great uh, sellers in every market. We, you know, take a lot of pride in taking care of our customers, but there are a lot of others who do the same thing. I think a good sign is if your seller um, is paying attention to what your needs are rather than trying to sell you something, um, that is a really good sign. If they come out of the shoot, they, you know, you, the customer says one sentence and they say, I've got the perfect thing for you. To me, that's a little bit of a red flag. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, very well said, Dave. Dave, we're uh, short on time here. If folks want to find out more about Mobility City, what's the best way to do that? Um, they can just do a search for Mobility City Wake County and they will get to my website and they will get to, uh, if they do the same search on Facebook, where we have a lot of pictures of some of these stories, um, Mobility City Wake County on Facebook, they can find us there as well. Perfect. Again, Mobility City Wake County. He is Dave Tuckler, the owner of Mobility City Wake County. Dave, thanks again for your time. We really appreciate it. My pleasure. Maybe more stories in the future. Ah, we, we can't wait. Thanks so much. We are taking a quick break, but we'll be right back. This is Aging Matters. Care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care, right here on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF with your hosts, Mary Lucas and Jason Kong. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. If you ever want to find more about Transitions Life Care, you can view all the resources available to you online at transitionslifecare.org, transitionslifecare.org. Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas and Sam Peterson, and we are going to shift our focus now onto Medicare, in particular, Medicare fraud, and we are very pleased to welcome Stephanie Bias on the program. She is, boy, she's got a title here. She's the North Carolina (laughs) Senior Medicare Patrol Program Coordinator at SHIP, and that is, of course, within the North Carolina Department of Insurance. Stephanie, I introduced you. We're, we're just about out of time here now, getting all that out. <laughs> you would be. <laughs> Stephanie, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Um, let's start off by talking about Medicare fraud a little bit. Always a hot topic. Um, so how it much is. money is lost each year to Medicare fraud? Well, it is estimated nationally around 68 billion dollars a year and you know those are the dollars that are there to fund that program for it to keep going forward for folks that are on medicare due to age at 65 and up or medicare due to disability or in-stage renal disease or als or lou gehrig's disease so you know you want to keep that trust fund solvent and if you continue to lose 68 billion dollars a year i mean it you know it does shed a true uh, stark light on how long, you know, it can remain solvent. So we we have to be the best steward of our benefit that we have. And so one way is to try to prevent Medicare fraud. Absolutely. And that's billions with a B, which is crazy. Right. So how does someone know if they've possibly become a victim of Medicare fraud? Well, one of the most important things I think that uh, people fail to do and uh, with regularity and consistency is to review their Medicare statements. 
uh, their statements come to them once a quarter unless they sign up with a Medicare.gov account to track their claims online. And I've worked for SHIP since 1998, and traveling the state of North Carolina, I've seen many seniors and Medicare beneficiaries and caregivers that don't even open their statements, much less read them for accuracy. And you've got to be able to do that. You've got to open those statements. And we have coordinating sites and volunteers in all of North Carolina's 100 counties that can help you understand this. I mean, this is kind of what we do. This is our job. We're charged by the federal government and funded by the federal government to be able to go and try to help this. And our services are free and confidential. And people are often embarrassed to say, well, you know, I opened up my bank statement and I opened up my checking account Mm -hmm. statement and my uh, MasterCard statement, but, you know, and I read and check that, but I don't do those medical statements. I, I, I say, well, that's really given a false sense of trust because mistakes can be made mm-hmm. or someone could have taken advantage of your Medicare account and charged things against your account that are services that you didn't receive. So how does someone report suspected Medicare fraud and, and how, did, how do you start that process? What does it look like? And, and can you talk to our listeners a little bit about uh, how to report it? I think that one way that is the most important we suggest that they do, it's really a twofold process at that point. We need for you to call your provider, or if it's some provider you don't know, you know, don't call them. Just call us at the North Carolina Department of Insurance, Monday through Friday from 8 until 5 at SHIP, and we have folks that take those complaints. And our phone number is one eight five five. Four zero eight one two one two. We kind of help help you understand that you need to to do a little investigatory work if you know the doctor or you know the provider, and call the office and say, you know, for example, I had a lady who said that she was in uh, Florida visiting family members and saw that the doctor had filed a claim on that day, mm-hmm. and she said she came to the doctor's office and said, you know, there must be a mistake, and she. They said, well, it was a mistake, that mm-hmm. it was a mistake on the end. Therein, they would take care of it. But, they, but you know, we start calling and say, you know, we didn't receive the services this day. We're going to let Medicare know. And they say, well, we'll straighten it out. Well, that's great, but you need to take the onus on this for mm-hmm. yourself as well and report it to us at the Department of Insurance so we can make sure that Medicare does straighten that out and that we, you know, get the paperwork and permissions from you that we need to run that up a flagpole. If you just ignore it, that's like saying, okay, continue to go ahead and build something that is incorrect to get snuck out. And, you know, those could lead eventually maybe to perhaps decline services if, mm-hmm. you know, if they see an, an exorbitant pattern over something that doesn't really warrant it. So you want to preserve as much as you can. Be sure that you take care of that Medicare number. Please be sure that you don't talk to people on the telephone mm-hmm. that call you and say, oh, I need your Medicare number. Make sure that you have it. And you know, sure that I'm talking to Mary Jones. And mm-hmm. that you please make sure that you don't share that information because that's just as important as your financial information. Absolutely. It is your financial information. It's your mm-hmm. healthcare information. So with the coronavirus pandemic, have you seen an increase in Medicare fraud? Absolutely. Absolutely. And things that, uh, you know, that I knew that second that this happened, and I was sitting on the road for work, and we were on our way back to Raleigh, and I thought, well, this will just make the feels right for uh, scammers, mm-hmm. especially if people become frightened. This is something we, uh, you know, the rank-and-file public was not prepared for. 
uh, and, you know, you were going to be isolated from your loved ones and family members, and, you know, we didn't know how long this would happen, and as we saw it, it was a long time before, you know, things could even begin some partial semblance of normalcy, and people were very frightened by that, but that didn't mean that people didn't get sick and that people didn't need to seek medical attention. And we saw a lot of people that, you know, that would call and say, you know, I, we would encourage people, please do not click on links in email that say they can put you at the front of the line to get a vaccine. That was before the vaccine came out or that they were going to uh, let you do a survey for taking the vaccine and send you a gift card from someplace for taking that survey or a check for taking the survey. Or, you know, people say, oh, we're going to let you in on a ground swell that is going to be a cure if you give us your financial information for a small investment. Uh, you know, these were things that just went on across the country. And we are very, very concerned about that because even though the vaccines have come about and, and folks are uh, taking the vaccines, uh, we are concerned because people now laminating their Medicare cards, their Medicare cards and their um, their vaccine records from the CDC. And we don't really consider that a very wise move because how are you going to record your booster if it's laminated? Mm-hmm. You know, because the heat in a transfer is going to smear that ink. So, you know, try to keep that stored some other way. And, and I understand that people feel this very important, and it is important. Mm-hmm. Um, and also we've had people that have uh, shared that, you know, that they have heard of folks that have called and said, will you upload your card to us and we will send you information. Don't do that because they could like download that, what you uploaded and make a fake card and, and use that. You just don't want to do that. You need to protect that, that CDC vaccination record just like you do your Medicare card and just like you do any other personal information. Mm-hmm. So right before we go to break, one last question for you. Other ways that beneficiaries can protect themselves from becoming victims of these scams. Can you talk through a couple other ways that they can protect themselves? Well, just don't fall for it. Don't sign anything. Don't give out any personal information. Don't. I mean, you know, I know that you were brought up not to be rude to people, but just, just hang up the phone. Just don't continue the conversation. Don't click on those links. And when we come back, uh, we're going to talk about a couple of ways that just from regular fraud in, in the Medicare world that we can uh, that we can protect ourselves from by we're, methods. We're so. speaking with Stephanie Bias. We're talking all about Medicare fraud. And Stephanie is the North Carolina Senior Medicare Patrol Program Coordinator at SHIP. And SHIP stands for the Seniors Health Insurance Information Program. And Stephanie gave out an important phone number earlier. If you have questions related to Medicare or if you want to get a hold of SHIP, that phone number, 855-408-1212, 855-408-1212. We're going to continue our conversation with Stephanie all around Medicare fraud Right after this, you are listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5, AM 680, WPTF, News, Talk, Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5, AM 680, WPTF. 
Joined by Mary Lucas from Transitions Life Care. Here's your host, Jason Kong. You are listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas, as well as Sam Peterson with Transitions Life Care. And our guest on the line is Stephanie Bias. And Stephanie is with SHIP, the Senior Health Insurance Information Program within the North Carolina Department of Insurance. And we're talking all about Medicare fraud. And, uh, you know, Mary, this is something that uh, really gets my blood boiling because, <laughs> you know, you're, you're talking about a, a segment of people who are, are some of the most vulnerable. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, that does make things ripe for fraud. But, mm-hmm. you know, I know we want to spend our last segment here with Stephanie just talking about some of the resources available to us if maybe we do suspect fraud or we need to be more vigilant in making sure that uh, we're not potential threats. Absolutely. I think and one of those resources was mentioned right before the break was that toll free number of how to call the ship and uh, the North Carolina Senior Medicare Patrol at the North Carolina Department of Insurance. So, Stephanie, can you talk to us a little bit about the call center and how people can get in touch with you all? Oh, yes. Uh, Our toll free consumer line again is 1-855-4088-1212. And we're open Monday through Friday from 8 until 5, state holidays, excluding state holidays. And we want to make sure that folks know that they can call us, that it is free and confidential. And it is also a nationwide toll-free line for North Carolina. For example, if you have a, um, a family member in Ohio and they help take care of somebody in North Carolina, people in Ohio can call us about their family members if they suspect fault. So it's a it's a nationwide toll-free number, even though we base on North Carolina um, beneficiaries. So we wanted to make sure folks know that. Uh, we want to make sure that they know that Commissioner Mike Causey sends his greetings to everyone today and really encourages folks to report anything that they suspect. There is no such thing as something, oh, well, I really shouldn't have reported that. Please do report that. Is North Carolina Department of Insurance employees staffing that toll-free consumer line Monday through Friday from 8 until 5. And we're not a contracted call center. So it's North Carolina Department of Insurance employees protecting North Carolina's 2 million Medicare beneficiaries. Mm -hmm. If someone wanted to go to a physical location, how can someone find their local SHIP office in North Carolina? You can find that on our website. You can call our toll-free consumer line as well because not everybody has a computer. I think we have to remember not mm-hmm. everyone is computer savvy. Mm-hmm. Um, they can call our toll-free consumer line and say, I live in XYZ County. Could you tell me who the ship coordinating site is there? And, you know, because we are all in the middle of the pandemic, uh, maybe some of our local coordinating sites are not open except maybe by appointment only. They would at least have that contact information. Uh, they could call and say, you know, are you open? When will you be open? And will you be able to do a virtual appointment? Or will you be able to do, talk with me on the phone? Or, you know, how can I get that resolved in those particular counties? Because things are starting to open up some for some face-to-face uh, mm-hmm. opportunities. But, you know, uh, they can always call our office and, and uh, get that number for their local coordinating site if they aren't able to go on the web and secure that. You've mentioned a lot of resources and a lot of different ways to get in touch. What do these services cost? Free. That was easy. They cost nothing. (laughs) 
And because remember, we are housed within the North Carolina Department of Insurance, and we're the regulatory over insurance in North Carolina, so we can't say, go to Joe Jones down the street and he'll give you a good deal. We can't do that. We cannot recommend insurance companies or agents because we're the regulatory authority, and plus that would not mean that we were neutral, objective, and unbiased. Uh, we want to make sure that folks, we educate them so they make the best informed choice for their particular situation. And we do that by really uh, cueing them and saying, could you tell me about what this is or what that is so we know what your needs are so you get the best deal for your needs and the things that your providers are going to accept and your pharmacies are going to accept. You want to make sure that the product you purchase that you're going to be able to use that and you're going to be able to be a good steward of those benefits that you work so hard for. So please give us a call and we can help walk you through that if you have questions. We are happy to do that and our services are free and confidential. That's awesome. Such good info to know. Uh, so Stephanie, can you give us some other tips um, on some other ways that Medicare beneficiaries can protect themselves from Medicare fraud? Well, you know, we've talked earlier about we have three key watchwords with the S&P program called Protect, Detect, and Report. We talked earlier about, you know, not giving out your Medicare number. It used to be your Social Security number. Now it's all changed. But that doesn't mean that you need to, you know, that you can use that unprotected. We want to protect your Medicare benefits and to detect errors. To detect errors on their statements by opening them and reading them and checking them for accuracy. You always have rights of appeal. With Medicare, um, when it comes back to the pandemic, folks have said, well, gosh, I saw on my Medicare statement that I had been charged uh, for the administration of the vaccine. That is legitimate. They can charge you for the administration of the vaccine, even though the vaccine itself is free, for example. Mm-hmm. So, you know, people had questions about that, and I'm glad they questioned that. I'm glad they questioned that. That was meant they were paying attention. And report to us at the North Carolina Department of Insurance. Again, that toll free number, one eight five five. Four zero eight one two one two Monday through Friday, excluding state holidays. So those are three key ways that we can do that: protect those Medicare benefits. So they'll be around for uh, those of us that are turning sixty-five or going on Medicare duty disability. We want to make it around for a long time. We want it to be around for a long time, and we got to all do our part. We've got to be our own foot soldier and our own good steward of those benefits that we work so hard for. Absolutely. So a lot of people, we touched on this earlier, but a lot of people are staying home through the pandemic and are working more in technology, including email and online shopping. I'm a notorious Amazoner. (laughs) Everything everything comes to my door um, and setting up virtual meetings. A friend of mine's son calls it the smile (laughs) truck. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Do you have some important messages that you could share and provide our listeners regarding Medicare and online activity? Uh, Yes, please don't click. Don't click on these embedded uh, links that have been sent to you by something that says we've got a deal for you or you may qualify or you may whatever. You've got to make sure that you know that those are legitimate. And, you know, or if you click on a website, if they say this is going to direct you to a website, please don't click on that. I mean, you know, you know a lot about computers and you know about, uh, you know, taglines and uh, addresses. You know, if it says HTTPS, uh, you know, with a semicolon and a full slash, full slash, that say, says that's a secure website, but you want to make sure that that is truly a secure website because we don't know who has hacked something like that. And I mean, you know, so Medicare is not going to call you on the telephone. 
leaders with CDC, mm-hmm. and I will send you a survey, and that will give you a money or a gift card. Mm-hmm. So please, during this time, when it comes to your Medicare benefits, protect them even more. I mean, I can't tell you this enough. Even as diligent as you did before the pandemic, you've got to add yet that one more layer of protection because it can happen and it can happen to anyone and many people are embarrassed to let us know that that has happened please do not be please do not be embarrassed at all this is a judgment-free zone because it can happen to anyone because these people are pretty convincing Mm -hmm. and it will show up on caller id that it might be your local doctor's office or your local senior center or someplace like that don't answer that phone call back the number that you have in your records for uh, someplace that is local. Stephanie, we've got just, upon your call, just about a minute here before we have to go. Can you just summarize again real quick, if if you can, if you've given us plenty of tips here over the past uh, two segments here, but if you could just summarize it in, in the next 45 or 30 seconds, what would those tips be for our listeners? Please do not give out your information to folks that call you on the telephone and say that they are from Medicare. They're not. Open those statements, detect, and report that to the Department of Insurance if you suspect something that you may consider is incorrect or, or wrong billing at one eight five five four zero eight one two one two Monday through Friday from 8 until 5, excluding state holidays. And our services are free and confidential through the North Carolina Department of Insurance. That is excellent. That phone number, again, if you want to get a hold of SHIP, is 855 408 one two one two eight five five four zero eight one two one two. She is Stephanie Bias, the North Carolina Senior Medicare Patrol Program Coordinator at SHIP within the North Carolina Department of Insurance. Stephanie, thank you so much for your time today. We we very much appreciate it. Thank you so much for this opportunity, and I wish everybody good. Medicare help. There you go. We like to hear it. We are out of time for today. Don't forget, you can always find this episode as well as previous episodes, podcasts available for you at WPTF.com. Just click on the podcast button and find the Aging Matters section. On behalf of Mary Lucas and Sam Peterson, I am Jason Kong thanking you for listening to Aging Matters. Care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. You've been listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. For more information, log on to transitionslifecare.org.